Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, your go-to source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development. We hope you tune in often for all things people management, organizational development and change, organizational leadership, and social impact related. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Garrett Blair about leveraging virtual communication to influence and change the world. Garrett Blair, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Thank you. I'm thrilled to be here. This is exciting. Yeah, I'm thrilled too. It's it's always fun to meet new people with new different backgrounds. And I, I interview a lot of people on this podcast and your take and your focus is slightly different than what we normally focus on, but I think it's also very, very important And so I'm excited to have this conversation and share it with listeners today. We're going to be focusing today on leveraging virtual communication to influence and change the world. And you bring expertise in live virtual communication uh, and all of the trainings and workshops that you do in that space. And I think especially considering we're still in this pandemic and we're still largely and predominantly communicating with people in virtual settings like you and I are right now. Yeah. it's it's really important for us to to understand the principles behind effective virtual communication and how we can leverage that to make it the difference that we want to make. Because I think one thing is clear that pretty much everybody out there wants what they do with their life. They want to have meaning and purpose and they want it to matter. They want to make a difference. And the way we portray ourselves, whether we like it or not, contributes or detracts from that. And so if we want to be the change we want to see in the world and we want Mm -hmm. to have a positive influence on others, we just have to have that kind of a focus. So I'm excited to to share your expertise with listeners. As we get started, I wanted to share Garrett's bio with everybody. Garrett Blair is on a mission to build an elite force of live virtual communicators who can leverage the medium to create a competitive advantage and influence change worldwide. During the pandemic, he's been busy crafting revolutionary techniques and methodologies, which now make up his live virtual communication playbook and approach to performance coaching for public speakers. Garrett's no stranger to the business of effective, effectively communicating ideas with 20 years of education, curriculum development, and theater stage performance and direction experience. He trains corporate sales teams with members across the country, coaches TEDx speakers, teaches online workshops, leads webinars, and works with private clients, all of which usually uh, happens before lunch. What's important to Garrett is that anyone who has an idea to share has the ability and that they have the skill set to change the world. And I just love that. I love your focus, everything that you're doing. Uh, thank you for your contributions. And before we launch into the conversation, anything else that you would like to share by way of background or personal context with listeners today? No, I just want to say hi. I'm really excited to be a part of this discussion. Uh, I think that um, you know that this device has sort of you know uh, exploded 
right? We, we kind of turned into a Zooming culture overnight uh, a little over a year ago. And, um, you know, I immediately went to looking at how are we now communicating through this device? You know, after a couple of years of working in public speaking, after spending, you know, over two decades in education and theater, uh, I turned my attention and went, okay, so now we're all communicating here. How is this going? Is there anything we can do here to be better so that we can better communicate our ideas to each other? And that sort of prompted the entire track that I've gone through over the last year to develop this live virtual communication playbook. Yeah, that's wonderful. And and I appreciate you sharing a little bit about your history in this context because it, it, it does seem like you have a bit of a unique background, um, but also a, a particular skill set that comes from that background that's very well suited for this moment. Um, yeah, I think... Go ahead. Yeah, yeah um, you know, and that's the thing is I'm not... Uh, I didn't, I didn't enter into this field from, you know, sort of the corporate world or from sales. You know, I'm, I'm a theater artist. I was for a long time. I was an educator, uh, like you said, a curriculum developer, a teacher trainer. Um, so bringing those two worlds together, which is really, you know, theater and education is all about how do you communicate your idea to people who are listening? How do you keep them interested? How do you put them through a journey uh, and enhance their experience? Uh, and when it comes to whether it's the performance of public speaking or speaking through this device, it's all about what is the experience of the other person and what can we do over here to enhance that experience and make sure that they understand our ideas as we're communicating them. I love that. I love that. So let's start there. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think there are, are general principles around effective public speaking and influential, um, motivating types of, of speaking and communication. What, which of those kind of general uh, principles do you find tra- translating really well over into this virtual space? And are there any that perhaps don't fit quite as well when we're sitting behind a computer screen? Um, help, help me understand uh, that approach. Yeah, so I think, you know, um, I was leading a virtual workshop just when the pandemic had hit this virtual, it had become a virtual workshop at that point. And so I'm trying out some new ideas. What can I do with this device? What can I do through this medium? And I asked everybody on the, in the workshop to turn off their videos to start an exercise. So I turned you know, to the side to grab my water to kind of take a quick break. And when I turned back to the screen, everybody was gone. I mean, we're talking about a group of, I think it was like 18 people or something. I had all of their squares up in my gallery view. And I look back and they're gone. And it's just name squares, right? And I had this like surreal experience in the moment. Here was this entire group of people that I had been talking to. I'd been looking at their faces. I'd been communicating with them, trying to check in to see if they understood what I was doing, like I would if I was in person. And now there was nobody there. And I had this sort of like existential crisis. Like, who am I talking to? Where are these people? What's going on? And at the same time, I realized, wait a minute, they can still see me. My video is on and working just fine, and they're sitting there, nothing has changed for these people, and they are waiting for me to lead them through this experience. And it was at that moment that I understood sort of, oh, this is the issue facing us with this device, and here's the solution, right? And what I realized was this medium replaced our social interactions so quickly, right? I think I I heard you mention in a recent talk that... uh, that, you know, that the, the pandemic has accelerated this kind of technology, right? And kind of dropped it on us. Boom, here it is. And we all went, oh my gosh, thank goodness. I can now communicate with my family like I would or my friends or my coworkers just as if I was in person. 
The issue is, is that because this is such a great substitution for face-to-face interactions, we treat it as such. It feels as though we are talking to each other as if we're in the same room. So we use those communication cues and our brains are primed to receive those cues. The problem is, is that the device skews those cues and misrepresents those things. So for instance, very simply, if I look at your face on my screen and talk to your face, well, I mean, what do you see me doing? Do you see me looking at you or does it look like I'm looking down, Jonathan? What do yeah, you see? look, it looks like you're looking down somewhere else. Right. So, but I feel like I'm looking at your face. But what your brain is telling you is, oh, Garrett's looking somewhere else. He's not as interested in this conversation. He's thinking about something else. I don't have his attention. He hasn't gotten it. So our brains are interpreting that cue because the device has skewed that information. And yet our intellectual side is going, no, 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 no. He's looking at you, right? Where he's part of this conversation. And that struggle between the, the interpretation of communication cues and our brains going, no, 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 it's okay. He's listening. That struggle is what I think contributes a great deal to our Zoom fatigue and is one of the things we're not talking about. Right? We're not talking about that misrepresentation of cues. And there are a whole host of communication cues that we use that through the device get misrepresented. So what I started to do was go, okay, as a theater artist, as an educator, I'm always concerned about the experience of the other person. Well, what if everything I do on my side of the camera is 100% about their experience? So I'm going to look into the camera, and we hear that all the time, but it can't be stressed enough. Look into the camera. Why? Because now you see me looking at you, right? And that communicates my intention. It communicates eye contact, you know, major foundational cue of communication. And then from that, I built this live virtual communication playbook which adjusts a lot of our cues, a lot of our communication behaviors to account for the device so that we can enhance the other person's experience, right? If your experience of me is stronger, if you're more engaged, if you're more compelled because of how I'm interacting with the computer, then I'm doing a better job of influencing you, of changing your mind, of of giving you an experience that's going to affect our interaction. And so while I see a whole lot about how to take breaks, how to make sure that you're mitigating your Zoom fatigue, how to have better Zoom meetings, what we're not talking about is the fact that we have missed the boat in a way on creating that etiquette and that playbook for mm. this medium. You know, We have yeah. etiquettes and playbooks for everything, whether it's your phone or your email, text message, TikTok, social media, all this stuff we now know how do we interact. But we haven't done that here. And I think that's a really important discussion to have. Yeah, I, that's a that's a really good point. And I was just reading something, man, it was probably just last week about turning off your own video, or not not so other people can't see you, but so that you can't see yourself. Mm-hmm. And that the value that that can actually have in reducing Zoom fatigue, and and it's like this this natural human nature draw. Right. Um, for, for you to look at yourself when you're on the screen, right? So right now, the way I have this set up, because this we're putting the video on YouTube, so the way this is set up, you know, we're side by side. So mm-hmm. if I'm looking at you, then I'm not looking at the camera. If I'm looking at me, then I'm not looking at the camera. Now, I actually have some, some glare on my glasses, so it's probably a little bit difficult for you to see anyways. But, but either way, like, if I'm not looking at the camera, then it seems to the person on the other side that I'm not paying attention 
fully invested in them, paying attention to them, giving them my, you know, my full um, focus. And, and so that's just one more element that actually is fairly easy to adjust. We can uh, adjust and tweak the settings in our, in our zoom or teams or whatever, so that our, our picture is minimized. We can see everyone else. Then we aren't tempted to like stare at ourselves or notice when we make a weird expression or like if we need to scratch our nose or whatever. Right. And then all of a sudden (laughs) that isn't the focus because it's not about us. It's about the people that we're communicating with. Right. I think it's surprising how much we want to look at ourselves and be like, how do I look? Oh, I'm talking to myself. You look great. Aren't you a stunning little guy sitting right there? We really do. And actually, in, in my course, um, I, I address certain software features. I have sort of Garrett's suggestions of shoulds and shouldn'ts. And one of the things I suggest is to hide your self view for that very reason, right? We, we are distracted to look at ourselves. Now, the other side of that coin is it, once you don't see yourself long enough, Sometimes we forget that we're on video, and so then we do start scratching our nose and you know playing with our beards or you know sitting off to the side or looking away. Um, so there is a given. Or and take worse. Every, or, or worse, right? Or worse, <laughs> right? I stand up, and you can see that I'm just in my boxers this morning. You know that kind of thing. Um, so there is, yeah. I do encourage uh, people to turn off their self view so that you can focus directly on the person who you're talking to or the group. But then every now and then pop it back on, make sure you're still in frame, make sure that, you know, you remind yourself, oh, yeah, I've still got to be here and present myself in a way. So that's that's one of the things I talk about in my course, uh, along with, you know, several other shoulds and shouldn'ts that I suggest when it comes to the software. Yeah, awesome. So a couple other just real quick kind of practical things I think that we can address. And then let's talk more about the influence, you know, being an influencer and a change maker via the communication that you're, you know, trying to get across to people. Mm -hmm. So I I look at your background, for example, and it's a compelling background. Um, Thank you. So kudos to you. Like, as soon as we jumped on the call together, I'm like, Ooh, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm like visually noticing all these cool things that you have right behind you and not because they're distracting, but because it just, it just creates kind of a framing around you and gives me a sense of your personality and, and all of that. Um, speak to that a little bit, and then you can sure. feel free to critique my background because my, ba- <laughs> my background is not nearly as, as compelling as yours. I'm excited to announce the publication of my new book from HCI Press, The Alchemy of Truly Remarkable Leadership, Ordinary Everyday Actions That Produce Extraordinary Results. Consider how the nature of work has shifted over the past 50 years. With increased globalization, rapid technological advancement, and the shift in economic composition, the average job of today looks very different than the average job of 50 years ago. What will the jobs and organizations of tomorrow look like? Moreover, what does this all mean for organizational leaders? What are the core competencies and capabilities of organizations and their leadership that are prepared for continued disruption and geopolitical and socioeconomic shifts? Regardless of what the future holds, increasingly, leaders need to be socially minded, data-driven, decisive, champions of talent, and disruptors of the traditional notions of leadership, teams, organizations, and work. The alchemy of truly remarkable leadership will help you to explore your own leadership competencies and capabilities and consider ways to apply and implement them into your workplace and personal life. 
Well, so background is one of the main things I tackle, and I have a, a method, called, I call it the PALS method, uh, and it stands for Perspective, Angle, Lighting, and Story, right? And it's all about what are the things you need to do to create a background that actually invites people in, right? And thinking about your background as your virtual handshake. So the moment I turn my screen on and you see my frame, you know, that reaction that you just described is exactly the reaction I'm going for. And in terms of the stuff that's in my space, thinking about two questions that I ask is one, what do you want the other person to think about you, right? I want you to think that I am blank, right? And the other question is when you see my frame, what kind of experience do I want you to have? I want you to feel. And again, you know, I feel blank. And again, you know, those two questions are based in what is your experience of me? You know, and of course I want to feel comfortable, but it's all about enhancing your experience. So crafting things, right? You can see I've got over my shoulder, I've got my little Star Trek ugly doll, right? Suggests my trekkiness. You can, I don't know if you can tell the models down here, but I got some space, my Star Wars Middle Earth models. There's a slide rule in the background over here. I've got, as we talked about uh, a little earlier, I think, you know, my rocket ship, uh, the Lego Saturn V rocket ship. So all of these things suggest the kind of person that I am, the things that I'm interested in, you know, my training, my background. And they're crafted in a way so that, like you said, they're not distracting, but that they are interesting. Right? They allow you to dive into who I am and what my world is and then prompt maybe some conversations about the things that we see, which might lead to other conversations. Right. So that that's a big part of it. Right. A lot of people say, I don't know how to get on. You know, I don't know how to make my background feel great. Right. I, I feel I'm always worried about my lighting. I'm always worried about what I look like and where things are going. And this is a way to go feel comfortable, feel confident so that you can project that kind of um, presence you want and give the, the other person the experience of your virtual handshake. Now, to your question about your frame, here's what I'll say. A couple of things I would suggest. First of all, your camera is a little high. So if there's any way that you could, you know, it's, I'm sort of looking down at you a little bit, right? Which isn't terrible, um, you know, but, but, you know, anything that we can do to sort of bring our camera to eye level is what we're going for. I like that you've got this shelving unit over your back, over your, uh, I think it's your right shoulder there with some interesting trinkets and things. So I think just lowering the camera and allowing us to see that a little more. And then I might even adjust your camera slightly so that the shelving unit is slightly more behind you instead of off to the side but still at that angle. So doing that, what you know, we've created this perspective of inviting you in here, right, to this depth. You know, think about the fact that we're, we are a two-dimensional image on a screen, and if we sit in front of a flat background, that's going to enhance that two-dimensionality. So giving ourselves that perspective, which you've achieved there, we want our cameras to be at an eye level, our lighting from the front, you know, what you're achieving. And I'll say, for, you know, you've got your glasses on. I had a client the other day who has the same sort of glasses and the glare... And what they did was they ended up moving their frames uh, the, the, uh, up, up above their ears a little bit more. So the, ah, glass, there you, there the frame of the glasses <laughs> got kind of tips down a little bit. Yeah. And that way you mitigate the reflection. And so, you know, then that was their way of sort of changing the glare in their glasses. Oh, thank you. I appreciate those tips. Um, very good. And I have to admit, like I, anyone who listens to this podcast knows that predominantly, uh, not exclusively, but predominantly, I record all of these episodes in the corner of my bedroom. Um, because, <laughs> because I'm just here, you know, during the pandemic, my, my wife is working from home, I have six children uh, who are schooling from oh, home. Goodness. 
And, uh, and so, you know, I have, I have a home office, but it doesn't have a door. And so I need to be able to shut the door. So I end up in my bedroom in this corner and it's probably not ideal, but you know, it works and, um, and, you know, I'm making the most of it. Um, and which well, raises, that's, that's, raises a question for me yeah. actually, because all your tips I think are, are, uh, well, I understand those. And I think those are great ideas. I'm wondering, because I, I interview people and I have a lot of interactions with people where they have the virtual backgrounds and sure. I've, and I've toyed with that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, ultimately, you know, I, for me, I've decided I don't really like the virtual background because it, it's just not a perfect, um, right. like you, you just see the, the fuzziness. Yeah, and, exactly. and so I've decided I didn't want to do that, but I have no problem mm-hmm. when other people do it. What's your take on that? Well, again, that, you know, going back to my shoulds and shouldn't suggestion list that goes in the shouldn't column. And for the same reason, right, it ends up being sort of a distraction. You see the sort of shimmering edge, you know, as your software is negotiating your image in the background. Um, now, that isn't to say that if you don't have a space, um, you know, t- from which to uh, video chat from. And really, when we're talking about space, like you said, like one corner of a room. I had a client who found a spot in his bathroom, right, that he was able to turn into his virtual spot when he needed to do presentations. Nobody knew he was in his bathroom, but he managed to find this one little spot that created this really nice look in his frame. So it might be your bedroom, you know, it might be a closet, it could be the side of your kitchen, you know, so find that one corner where you can create some perspective. And that, you know, allows you to create that space. Now, if you don't have a space like that, like you said, you've got six kids running around, your wife is working from home, where can I put myself to do my work? Sometimes a virtual background is necessary. And my suggestion is to really do some work to make sure that the virtual background communicates what kind of information you want it to communicate. You know, don't just throw up that, um, you know, uh, standard office look in Zoom, right? Go through, find the room that communicates, you know, this is kind of my personality. I have someone who is is doing all of their work and all of their zooming from their closet. That's the space where they can be. And instead of looking at all their clothes, they've put up a green screen and they've gone through and they've found a really good virtual background. And here's, oh, let me, about virtual backgrounds. Please make sure that your virtual background looks as if it's shooting straight, the camera is looking straight at you. A lot of virtual backgrounds make it look like the camera is shooting up at you and you see the ceiling. And that creates that sort of upward angle, which is a little uncomfortable after a while. So whatever virtual background you're looking for, make sure that it is a straight on perspective. And then do the work to make sure it's clean, it communicates who you are. And this person is also, they've, they've added their sort of company logo as a picture on the wall, like creating perspective. So they've done the work to make the virtual background something that they can use. So if you need to do that, make sure you put in the work and effort to make sure it communicates who you are and that it's clean. That would be my, that's my suggestion for the virtual background. Yeah, well, that's, that's wonderful. All right. In our last few minutes together, I thought let's pivot now. You've yeah. you've already mentioned this several times throughout our discussion about the ability to influence, positively influence, and drive change, and that happens through the way we communicate. And I think we all know that, but we also get find ourselves in the grind day in and day out of like in all, being in all these meetings and kind of jumping from one meeting to the next. And I think it's really easy for us to just forget or lose our focus on. Yeah how we're portraying ourselves and what that means for how others receive our message. Right. right. And we, and we don't, you know, I don't want to go to pointless meetings. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think anyone does, 
when, when you're not in the room with somebody though, and you're just, there's a screen, it's, it's very easy to forget how I'm being visually perceived, how that's going to influence how others, you know, perceive my message. So what, what takeaways would you have for us, you know, about what we can do to increase our influence, increase our ability to be change makers, because I think that's really what we all want to accomplish within our teams, our workplaces, uh, anyone we interact with. You know, I saw a post um, about an article about meeting strategy and, and the, uh, the person who posted their comment was, don't go into a meeting without knowing what must be different when it ends, right? Which I thought was brilliant. It framed any interaction, any meeting as a journey. All, all change, all influence is the result of a journey. People don't just go, oh yeah, that's a good idea, I should do that, right? Intellectually, we may know the argument is sound, but what makes us change our mind, what really influences people, is the experience that they go on. You know, we're hearing a lot about using story in conversations. Story is going to sell your product. Story is going to have... And it can't be overstated. It's not just the anecdote of story. It's the structure of story. So as you go into an interaction, how can you frame, this is where we are now. This is the problem that we have. This is the journey we're going to go on, and this is the revelation I see about how we can change our world. Giving, giving everyone a journey, going through an experience, that is what is going to compel people to change their minds and follow you. So when I look at this sort of live virtual communication training, as I've said, for me, the entire premise and foundation of this training is everything I'm doing on this side of the camera is about the other person on the other side. It's their experience that matters the most. And so if I can do my work to lead them through a journey, then I'm going to bring their emotional mind into this, their emotional intelligence. I'm going to move them through some cathartic experience, even if it's talking about third quarter numbers and what our projections are for fourth quarter and next year. If I can frame that information in some sort of journey and experience, I have a better chance of influencing. And when it comes to the device... What's important to think about is what's at stake? What's at stake for the person on the other side? If they don't do what I ask them to do, or if they don't change their mind, if they don't you know, uh, you know, respond to my call of action, then what's at stake for them? And I can use those stakes to up the level of importance of this conversation. And if my conversation is really important, then it doesn't matter if I'm looking into a camera or I'm talking to a rock or a starfish. I'm going to communicate with urgency and intention and passion and focus because it's so important. So I think those are the two things when we really want to try and bridge the technology to reach each other is how can I offer someone an experience of our interaction and then why is this so important and can I speak to their stakes Right? This is for your betterment. Right? That's why this is important. And that drives an authentic delivery through the device. I, I love that. Thank you, Garrett. It has been a real pleasure talking with you today. I appreciate all of your insights, all of your tips uh, and suggestions. Before we close today, I wanted to give you a chance to share with listeners how they can get connected with you, find out more about what uh, you're currently doing uh, in your world of work, and then just give us the last word on the topic for today. Sure. Well, you know, I guess I'd say first, everybody has the 
potential to communicate powerfully through this medium. Whether or not you're a great in-person speaker, you can, you can be just as great, if not more powerful, through the medium. So if you're interested in training, if you're interested in learning how to up your Zooming game, you can you know, go to my website at garrettblair.com. That's G-A-R-R-E-T-T-B-L-A-I-R.com. And the first thing you can do is just type in your email address and you will get my LVC Essentials. These are four crucial skills that you can use to 10x your Zooming game. Really simple things. Print out the PDF, stick it up next to your computer. Uh, Beyond that, you can navigate to courses.garrettblair.com where you can see my LVC training course, live virtual communication training course, as well as my small course, the PALS Method, which is a quick 20-minute module that will help you craft your great background and your virtual handshake. And Beyond that, scroll down to the bottom of the page and fill fill out the contact form. Let me know what your goals are for you or your team when it comes to virtual communicating, and we can set up a chat to see how we might be able to achieve those goals. Finally, what I'd like to say, we can do a better job communicating through this device. We have all accepted that we are all at home. We're all sort of looking off to the side. There's other stuff going on. We've kind of accepted that level and standard for this medium. And I'm saying we can do better. We can change the way in which we interact. We can develop a new skill set to really be able to leverage this device to create that competitive advantage and influence change. So hit me up on the website. Let's learn how we can all join this elite force of live virtual communicators and change the world. Awesome. Thank you, Garrett. Uh, It has been a real pleasure talking with you today. I encourage listeners to reach out, get connected, find out more about what Garrett and his company can do for you. Check out his trainings. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week. We are excited about the launch of HCI's new magazine, Human Capital Leadership. Human Capital Leadership is a free, interactive e-magazine designed to help individuals, leaders, and organizations find innovative approaches to maximize their human capital potential. We will be publishing issues quarterly in August, November, February, and May. Check out the first issue and let us know what you think. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week. Check out our new weekly LinkedIn newsletter, Alchemizing Human Capital, exploring industry trends via original research and interviews with executives and thought leaders from across the globe. We look forward to having you join us.